I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to the Statman Day Football Podcast. This is episode 43. Today we're going to talk the news, then dive into three massive Champions League ties and finish up talking a little bit of Europa League action. Anyway, let's do the news. So, news came out today that two groups are claiming responsibility for the attack on the Borussia Dortmund bus. Further reports have come yet today saying that the attack, the bomb, was apparently a nail bomb or a bomb containing pieces of metal, which is absolutely ugly and, you know, there's no place in this world for that sort of activity. Nuri Sahin um, did an interview after the game, the Borussia Dortmund versus AS Monaco game and was obviously very emotionally upset and mentioned how you know there is more to life than football but he you know these terrible terrible things he wouldn't wish it on anyone looked looked moved looked very very moved looked upset it's one of these things where nobody should be forced to see or be involved in in such terrible terrible atrocities but anyway let's move on to more positive news that Charles and Athletic are finally entering uh, takeover talks with an Australian consortium this after um, maybe a year year and a bit um, of Belgium ownership that the fans absolutely hate. The same guy that owns Standard Liège owns Charlton Athletic. The fans have revolted and hopefully they'll finally get um, you know, a takeover from someone that wants to you know, put some money into the club or maybe back the fans and do what those guys want to do. Moving to other transfer news, um, Phoenix Rising FC have signed Didier Drogba and he's moving to the, I think the USLA, um, whatever league that is. I'm not massively up on my US soccer. Maybe you should ask someone like Nico Morales or Kristen Hennig. Those guys could probably answer that. So maybe tweet him if you want to know more about Didier Drogba's move to America. Um, and finally, Mascarano's injured his left calf. Maybe that's why he lost to Barla two times for two crucial goals in the Champions League game on Tuesday night. But anyway... Let's talk Champions League football. First up, Dortmund versus Monaco. An absolute classic of a game. The game ended three goals to two, but it was a brilliant game of football from start to finish. The first half, Monaco really dominated, and it was a classic Monaco performance. Their 4-4-2 was absolutely beautiful. This isn't the first time we're going to talk 4-4-2 on this podcast, but Monaco's 4-4-2 is an absolute joy. Uh, Monaco were without Bakayoko partnering Fabinho in central midfield, and without their two regular fullbacks in Mendy and Sidibe, but they coped very, very well. Raggy came in. At left fullback for Mendy, and of course, uh, Torre came in for Sidibe on that side, and Jao Moutinho in central midfield. Dortmund set up in their traditional 3 4 3 under uh, Thomas Tufel, but Monaco's system, they could not handle it. 
it was really interesting to see that the counter-attacking and the breaks from Monaco that caused Dortmund so much trouble. First at the penalty that Dortmund conceded, giving Monaco a penalty. It was a classic move from this Monaco side. A simple ball over the top into the channels for Mbappe to chase. A fantastic clip ball um, from, I think it was, Torre over the top to um, the obviously evanescent, should we say, Mbappe, who got through and was taken down uh, by, in fact, I think it was Socrates and the penalty uh, was missed by Fabinho, which is an interesting one considering his penalty record. I think he's only missed, he hasn't missed a penalty for Monaco in his entire uh, time there and it just bags penalty after penalty after penalty. I think he was on a run of 19 or something like that. Um, But it was interesting, Monaco's system, again, creating that chance. And then you go to the first goal, a fantastic uh, counter-attack from Monaco. Classic Monaco in this 4-4-2, they break with four players. Obviously, the two wide players that like to combine. What I quite like about this Monaco team is how those two wide players do combine. They're on opposite sides of the pitch. It's absolutely incredible that they do uh, drop narrow. If it's going down the left-hand side, um, Silver will come over and sort of help out uh, Lamar, uh, combine with him, play through balls and so forth. Or if it's on the other side, Lamar will drift into that central zone. It's just an absolute, it's a wonderful system that Yardim's got these guys playing and that's what, what you know got Monaco that first goal countering with that four uh, silver driving playing the ball, crossfield ball to Lamar Lamar across the box and in fact Mbappe was offside for the goal similar to the, the second goal it was another thing that's a, sort of a Monaco system the big thing about Monaco is the wide players either if they're not dribbling their opponent or they're taking them on they do drift inside and allow the wing backs to get ahead of them Obviously, without Sidibe and Mende, two of the best fullbacks or wingbacks in world football right now, I thought they might lack something in that area, but they didn't. You know, Raggy was fantastic and so was Torre. Raggy, you know, creating that second goal, put, whipped the ball from a deep area and Sven Bender turned home. But again, it was the Monaco system. The two wide players coming inside and sort of creating a midfield bank that was to two DMs. So it was a 2-2-2 two, two, two in a way. Uh, the two DMs, two wide players coming inside and the two central strikers, which opens up acres of space for the two wingbacks to get forward. And that's exactly what happened for this second goal you know how Yardim set up this team was perfect the first goal was the counter-attack uh, the penalty incident was uh, what they've been doing playing balls over the top for either um, the likes of Falcao or of course uh, Mbappe to chase and the third one was just the wing-backs getting forward but to be fair to Thomas Tufel changed it in the second half fantastic change changes from the young coach added movement and attacking intent into his side Pulisic was brought on at sort of right wing-back uh, Guerrero moved from central midfield out wide and Sahin came on I thought Sahin controlled the game so well from central midfield but it was the American international the youngster the 18 year old that really started to cause uh, Monaco problems with his direct dribbling in the first uh, 10 minutes he was on the pitch in fact he completed two uh, dribbles on uh, Raggy who had a very good first half but a very poor second half and that was more than any other player managed in the first half the two that he managed in that 10 minutes and really gave uh, Dortmund uh, you know pushed him into the ascendance and he was just so good the system that Dortmund sort of shaped up in that second half was a, a 3-4-2-1 it looked a lot better than the first half the first half system was a little bit disjoint Ginter was all over the place Guerrero in central midfield didn't really know what he was doing and I, I question Thomas Tufel's positioning of him a player that was so good at L'Oreal, um, playing from the wide area, playing on the left wing, either playing left back or playing left midfield, but was so industrious on, on the wing. It was sort of like watching someone like Juan Bernat or uh, David Alaba or Jordi Alba, um, but playing central. I feel he's restricted in that motion. The motion you want him doing is attacking, is being getting up, providing that width in that final third. And unfortunately, in the first half, Dortmund didn't have that. But as soon as he was pushed out there, Dortmund had that attacking intent. They had the, the width on that left-hand side and the width on 
the right-hand side with Pulisic that started to cause Monaco problems. And it was absolute credit to Thomas Tuchel and how he changed the game, opening up the pitch, widening it up, but also having the two um, wide players playing a little bit more narrow, the likes of uh, Kigawa, who grabbed the fantastic goal and an assist. And of course, Usman Dembele, at 18 years old, is one of the best players on the planet right now in terms of his age. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We saw Dembele, we saw Pulisic, and we saw Mbappe on the same pitch. It was it was a fantastic game of football. But yeah, the system that Tufel changed to opened up these chances, got the chances, got the crosses into the box, and Dortmund obviously uh, scored two opportunities for them. But the game was really killed by Monaco's third goal, scored again by Mbappe, who in fact has scored four goals in the Champions League knockouts stages that's more than any other player but it was great awareness from the youngster who simply just waited for Piszczek to play a square pass gambled on the ball nicked it ahead used his pace opened himself up and then fired a fantastic shot into the top right corner and it's what Mbappe's done this season he's just shown great composure um, great ability on the ball in front of goal so so calm that's why he's been liking Thierry Henry because he's so calm so good at opening himself up and, and just side filling at home incredible composure for a fellow that scored 21 goals in his you know, his second big season playing for Monaco. And that's the most of any player under 19 in Europe's top five leagues. 21 goals, incredible. But again, I liked about Mbappe's play with his ability to play as this wide forward. At the start of the season, it was Jermaine and Falcao that played up top for uh, Monaco. And Jermaine played as more of a defensive forward, pressed either the defensive midfielder or pressed the centre-back. Falcao was playing as sort of this um, hybrid poacher. What Falcao does just gets into the penalty area and score goals. It was a very good combination, but with Mbappe, it allows Falcao to play a little bit deeper, uh, get on the ball a little bit more, um, not do as much running. And Mbappe is stretching the channels, running into the channels, looking either side of the centre-backs to either pick up the ball and attack the centre-backs, you know, dribbling at them directly, or running behind and open up those scoring opportunities. And it's just classic Mbappe. From what I've seen of Mbappe this season, he's done that time and time again. It's a great trait of the player. He's a central wide forward, a term that I've used before in my uh, scout report I did uh, last week that if you haven't checked out, go and check it out. It's a a decent little bit of video that you will enjoy. There's some nice infographics in there, a nice chalkboard that I've thrown in for measure. So make sure you go and check that out. talk more about how he's a wide forward how he creates from these areas basically a wide forward playing in a central zone and it's credit to Yardim and how he's um built this system around all these players and all these assets that he's got but he's just getting the best out of them in terms of the knockout stages for the Champions League Mbappe's stats are an absolute joke he's converted 50% of his chances into goals 11 take-ons he's had five shots on target and scored four goals from those five shots going absolutely clutch Mbappe, Mbappe, Mbappe the best young player in world football for me right now but it was a fantastic game and two sides putting on a show after the terrible events of the night before Um, I expect Monaco to win this game Monaco score three goals per game but average is just what they do this season so I'm going to go with 3-1 Monaco in the second leg and they'll go through 6-3 on aggregate to the semi-finals and fully deserved Yardim has done a cracking job over there coaching this side you know he's got I've mentioned it before but he's got them from defensively they were really good in his first two seasons this season he's really let them go he's moved from sort of playing a 4-4-1-1 to a basically the, the 4-4-2 that you see today and it's just added so many goals and the 4-4-2 is my favourite shape by a country mile right now in world football talking about world football we've got to talk about Bayern Munich versus Real Madrid Zidane versus Ancelotti Tony Cruz versus Thiago the big one the biggest cheese in the world But it was an interesting one, though. Lewandowski for Bayern Munich was a massive blow. Lewandowski this season, 38 goals in just 40 games. Lewandowski has been in banging, banging, banging form this season. He's having a party by himself every single week. Without him... 
Um, you don't have that same intensity from the front. Uh, when you ping balls into him, he's not going to hold it as well. Thomas Muller did come in, but didn't have the greatest of games. He struggled with the ball at his feet, um, didn't really combine that well with the forwards around him, with the likes of Thiago, with the likes of Robin, with Ribéry, that Lewandowski usually does with such ease and such poise. But let's talk about the game. First up, the first half, uh, it was a real game of two halves before we start into this, where Bayern, I thought, dominated the first half, but Real Madrid, the second half, took the game to um, Bayern Munich with that man advantage and went on to, to win the game, obviously, two goals to one. But the first half was dominated by one man, and that was Arturo Vidal, was just bossing it, absolutely bossing it. His goal was just classic Vidal. Um, you know, he's a, a sort of a ball-winning central midfielder, so good at winning the ball, but he's got the other asset arriving late into the penalty area and scoring goals. He's like your ultimate destroyer. Vidal is the ultimate destroyer, and he showed that in that first half. The goal he scored from the corner, a fantastic header, nearly scored a few um, minutes later as well with another late arrival into the box another fantastic ball that was put in from the wide areas that Bayern did consistently whether it was Lahm um, David Alba or Robin or Ribery, they kept, the deliveries were really good for Vidal, and he, um, you know, got onto the ball very, very well. But going back to the corner, the goal, he scored the goal, and then 30 seconds later, Real Madrid took the kick off, and they were in the um, Bayern Munich box. Vidal, an absolute massive tackle in terms of tackles, the great battle. We're going to go call this Vidal versus Casemiro because I really feel these two players were so pivotal in this game. In a game of flair players, the likes of Ronaldo, Ribery, Robin, Thiago, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, Gareth Bale, Benzema. All these fancy players. The game was won by the defensive midfielders. In the first half, it was won by Vidal, who won four out of four tackles, the most on the pitch. In fact, beating Casemiro 4-3 in the tackle department. Impressing as well was his ability to spit between the centre-backs, that's Vidal, and play the ball out of the back and get Bayern Munich through the thirds. He had a great um, a few passes where he dropped between the two Bayern centre-backs and found Thiago in between the lines. Some perfect, perfect passes. In terms of his passes, he completed more on the more than any other player on the pitch. Completed 39 out of is 42 attempted with a 93% pass accuracy. Vidal was dominating this game, bossing the show, was absolutely on fire. The Chilean was pumping everybody up, the crowd, the players around him, and then the penalty situation. Ribery, a little bit of skill, a little bit of a shot. Ball hits uh, the arm of Carvajal, and it's a penalty. Who steps up? Vidal, who's in fully control of this game. You're fully expecting to smash the penalty home, two goals to nil to Bayern Munich, but unfortunately, blazes it over the bar. You're thinking, Vidal, what have you done? And that, unfortunately, half-time comes. And it's no longer Vidal who's in control. Casemiro takes control of this football match. Casemiro was impressive in the first half in his positioning. How he positioned himself when Robin got the ball. Basically, he drifted out wide and, and helped Sergio Ramos usually, because Marcelo was just attacking as he usually does. So it was Ramos up against Iron Robin 1v1. Casemiro was always getting over there, doubling up on the Netherlands international um, and acting like a sort of defensive blocker in a way that if uh, he did decide to come inside, bang, there was Casemiro. As I mentioned in the first half, it was 4 3 in the tackle game between Vidal and Casemiro. And honestly, this, for me, um, you know, it showed the output of the game. Whoever won this game, whoever won this battle of tackles, won the game of football. And in fact, Casemiro took the gold medal. In the game, he won nine tackles against Real Madrid. That was three more than any other player on the pitch. But in that second half, he won the game 6-2 against Vidal. And that's what he did so well. Casemiro shuttling out to that right-hand side and blocking that route into goal. In terms of tackles, he made four tackles on Iron Robin in that area, winning 75% of them. Pretty much nullified the Dutch international, which was one of 
Bayern Munich's obviously biggest weapons. But what Casemiro did more importantly in that second half was use the ball better. In the first half, it was too easy to read what he was doing. It was too telemarked. In a game that had such uh, ability on the ball with the likes of Xabi Alonso, Vidal, Thiago, um, on the other side, Real Madrid, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, Casemiro felt like a bit of a spare part and was poor in that first half, kept on giving the ball away when he should be playing the simple pass, kept on looking for the, the wrong ball. In that second half, completely different. The pass to Carvajal for the goal was incredible. An, incre- an incredible ball that got Carvajal into that final third, into an area where he could cross for Ronaldo. Ronaldo scored a fantastic goal from Ronaldo, but it was all about Casemiro's ball out wide. And of course, uh, Carvajal's uh, you know, ability to get into that final third, that he consistently did it in that second half. Kept on getting to the final third created a number of chances a great chance for um, Benzema that was a fantastic save from Manuel Neuer and a lovely combination play with Modric who created a chance for Bale it was was fantastic to see Carvajal again um, given his mistake in that first half, giving away, you know, giving away that penalty, great character to come back and be such a creative force but Casemiro so so good finished the game ahead of Vidal in the tackles 9-6 Game over, Casemiro wins, which won the game for Real Madrid. But also what killed the game, of course, was the red card. The Javi Martinez, second yellow on 60 minutes. A tactical foul was well beaten by Ronaldo. Unfortunately, with his second uh, foul in three minutes and uh, he had to see red and in fact Manuel Neuer was the only player that kept this game respectable in that second half made 10 saves that's the most he's ever made in the Champions League for Bayern Munich some cracking saves one on Gareth Bale a header point blank reaction save tipped it over the bar another one on Benzema another fantastic save close range fantastic save the one I liked the most though was a save on Ronaldo on 74 minutes he sort of goes down, Ronaldo hits a fine shot, and the power in Manuel Neuer's wrists is ridiculous. I reckon if he slapped you, you'd be out for a week. You'd be comatose. The strong, you know, how strong it was on the shot, just palm out, past the post, simple as pie. But of course, Ronaldo, the man of the moment, scored the second goal as well and scored his 100th goal in European club competitions, the most of any other player. In fact, it was a you know a classic Ronaldo display coming from that wide area to being a natural striker. Um, but credit to, uh, to uh, Zidane and the substitution of Gareth Bale off in the Asensio on. Gareth Bale, for me, was terrible in the game. Failed to create a chance. Um, and the stats versus Asensio, who played less minutes than him, is quite pretty embarrassing. Asensio, two chances created uh, to Bale, zero. Asensio completed more passes in the final third and also hit his target with more crosses and played more crosses. But the ball for that the, the second goal was a fantastic ball, picking up a little pocket of space inside left channel, uh, left-footed cross to Ronaldo to turn the ball home. But he's been a fantastic talent. I don't understand why Asensio's not been more in this Real Madrid team because he was so good at the start of the season. He scored some fantastic goals when Ronaldo was out, was dropped out of the side and not really been back in. But he is a fantastic talent and will be Real Madrid's big, big star in the coming years. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Moving on to the final Champions League game of the night, and that is Leicester City versus Atletico. Again, we're talking 4-4-2s. A 4-4-2 versus a 4-4-2. What an absolute corker of a game. Uh, but unfortunately, Atletico have done the 4-4-2 longer than Leicester City have done the 4-4-2. So they kind of out-Atletico'd Leicester City, who can't quite Atletico as well as Atletico, if you know what I mean. A very physical battle in central midfield was won by Saul for me. Won uh, five out of five his tackles in central midfield. Really bossed the show, but... We gave a platform to the likes of uh, Gabby and Koke to playmake. Koke is a player that I absolutely love in world football right now. So fluid when he plays in the wide positions. If he plays wide right or wide left, you'll pick, you'll pick up little pockets of space all over the pitch and was so good at switching positions with Casemiro, but really controlled the game from a wide position. Was almost a wide playmaker in terms of his passes. Only Gabby completed more passes in the final third, third than Koke. Koke also hit the bar uh, with a fantastic shot, but he just had an all-round brilliant game. But... Of course, the difference maker was Antoine Griezmann. In terms of the goal, he carried the ball from the halfway line, was brought down um, to win a penalty and slotted at home. The foul did look like the infringement started outside the area, but um, you know you, it's a difficult one to give, given the foul looked like it was in the box. Griezmann did fall into the area and did finish off in the area, but the start of the foul was just outside. But anyway, game over for Leicester City for me. Atletico are too good defensively to give this lead up, and it will be bye-bye for the Foxes, who have had a fun run in the Champions League, but their fans have been absolutely disgusting in Madrid today. A poor, poor response from a club where that's letting itself down this season. The player power getting Ranieri sacked, and now the fans doing some pretty disgusting things in Madrid in a fantastic city. I love Madrid. Madrid is one of the best cities you can ever go to. So beautiful, so fun, so chilled out, so good at having like a, a little, having a chill with a beer and, and seeing the sunset go and all that. You know, these Leicester City fans go there and they trash the place, which is pathetic. But anyway, we're not going to talk about Leicester City fans because it's not the Leicester City fan podcast. But anyway, let's finish up with a little bit of Europa League chat. Of course, we're going to talk about Manchester United versus Anderlecht. Away in Anderlecht for the first leg. It's going to be an interesting game. United are heavy favourites in this game. Um, have been doing well in Europe in the last uh, three games, uh, following some pretty poor performances in recent years. You know, picking up the draw against Rostov and beating the likes of Zoya and Saint-Etienne. But anyway, the game. Let's talk about the opposition first, and that is Anderlecht. Two uh, are an interesting proposition this 
season. So let's talk about their key men. First up, Todocek, their striker, the Polish striker, has scored 28 goals in 43 games this season, but may in fact be out with a shoulder injury, which is a great news for Manchester United because he's been clinical in front of goal. In terms of central midfield, there's only one man to look at, and that is Yuri Tilsman. Against Arsenal, I saw him uh, a year ago or two years ago when he was 17 years old. Was a small lad, needed to bulk out. Uh, Decision-making wise, was played a little bit too deep in central midfield. As soon as Anderlecht got a bit of men, he pushed himself up the pitch but all round it was, was a raw diamond but could be shaped to a real star he's finally turned into that star at 19 years old he's bulked out capable of playing central midfield or attacking midfield this season in the uh, Belgium league he scored 12 goals and got 8 assists but where he's dangerous is from range he's got a number of cracking goals from outside the area uh, comfortable at hitting shots with his left foot and his right. Something United need to be very aware of. He was positioning a defensive midfield there uh, in, in that zone to shut him down at all times. And Herrera would be fantastic at that, or potentially a, a third centre back to come out and deal with uh, the you know that sort of intent. If Tilsman opens himself up and looks for goal, in terms of his Europa League by numbers, it's also been fantastic. Three goals from three shots on target, thirteen key passes, fifteen interceptions, and forty-four tackles. An absolute top ta- top talent that potentially. Maybe playing for Manchester United next season if I was in charge. Anyway, moving on to Manchester United, I want them to play a 3-4-3, but Mourinho isn't going to do that. The team I reckon Mourinho will play is a 4-3-3 with Romero and goal. Uh, Valencia at right fullback, Bay, Rojo, uh, Shaw, Herrera, Fellaini, Pogba, and then a front three of Lingard, Mikitarian, and of course, Ibrahimovic. Anyway, that's it, that guys. I reckon the score is going to be. We're going to go with a one-all draw away in Anderlecht and that will be that for today's Statman Day Football Podcast. Thanks for listening and if you're new to the podcast, obviously subscribe on iTunes over and out. See you later, guys. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 